Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 115, Review of the Transfer Market with Greg Collins from SGFC Podcast. So he was on just a couple weeks ago. We talked a little bit of some big themes that are maybe going to be running in the uh, Premier League this season. And we decided to get together and review the end of silly season, transfer deadline day, but also the window overall. Which teams were winners, which teams were losers, some strange signings, and also an amazing, amazing name. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Overall, it was a crazy transfer window. I'm really glad I got to go over this with Greg and hopefully enjoy the way we broke it down. Greg Collins from SGFC Podcasts. We are going to review the transfer window now that it's shut completely, completely shut. Although although I did hear that Michi Batshuayi is currently on a plane to Turkey to finalize a move in that like 24-hour grace period or something. I don't know. All being confirmed, he's gone to Fenerbahce on a, on a permanent deal. Permanent deal. But finally, that, you know, he was one of those ones like Bakayoko and a few others that had just been drifting around the Chelsea training ground for a couple of years now, popping their heads in after a loan. But yeah, he's gone. Do you know, it's funny. Do you remember which uh, window he came in? Was he, was he Conte's first window? Yep. I think Conte's yeah. first signing. Oh. Yeah, and I remember him showing up at the training. I, sh- I remember seeing videos of him at the training ground, like like the day after the Euros. He was like, there, I'm getting ready. Mm. And it just never worked out. And it, no, it's a story, scored right? scored that goal that won us the league. Yeah, well, and Kai Havertz scored us that goal that won the Champions League. And uh, yeah. <laughs> for the 70 million, it's starting, you're starting to go, oh, no. And I guess this is the thing is, we, and we will touch on this, but the money that is being thrown around, for lack of a better term, really, is it's surprising because of the, the names attached to a lot of the money, the timing of when these transfers were being made and why they were so expensive. But we're going to go through a list of things and then we'll probably have a few digressions along the side i imagine very very likely so actually so look we're going to cover our two winners of the transfer window our two losers the top three signings and they can kind of be however you look at top three signings whether it's bargain whether it's best players value for money whatever it is strangest signing and that can be not necessarily something that won't work out but also something you just did not see coming right your hipster pick, meaning the signing that, you know, you're just rooting for the person, like you just love it. It's 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 got a soft spot in your heart, you know. You and, and it's sort of an underdog kind of thing that you enjoy. I don't know. And then some kind of season prediction. So, Greg, w- let's just start with your winners. Who who won the window for you? I mean, it's it's very hard to talk about winners of the transfer window and not talk about. Erling Haaland at Man City. Um, a, a fantastic fee, which we spoke about before the recording started, was based on a, on a release clause. But nine goals in five games. I mean, already money well spent. And you know the fact that he's now being talked about in, a, in the ilk of, can he get Shearer's record? And he's played a month in the Premier League. I mean, Man City <laughs> win 
just just on just on him. I I didn't have them in my winners list, but it was so tempting because they also have done some really interesting business on the side. Here's one of those divergences because I, I wrote down a list of players that I thought were surprises. Manuel Akanji from Dortmund in the waning hours of the transfer mm. window goes to Man City um, for I think like 14 million or something like that. And if you right know about. you're you're Chelsea and on the final day you're having to possibly pay something like 90 million for who was it again from from Stuttgart or something or from uh Leipzig it was incredible fees like they were talking oh, oh uh Jusko Guardiola yeah. from Leipzig they were talking somewhere That's in the, the 80 90 yeah, yeah. million yep. region and and City just walk into Dortmund and get a kanji for 14 million or something I mean that is that that was an interesting one but I, I do think City uh look really good Alvarez scoring twice this week Holland scoring three I mean, that's a pretty good return from your new signings who else you got yeah I mean we haven't even seen Calvin Phillips oh yeah we haven't that's um true. the other one it's <laughs> they're a winner but it's it's a weird one Nottingham Forest I mean <laughs> I've never known in all of my 30 years of watching the Premier League for a promoted team to come up and be able to have the reputation and the bankroll to bring in, I think, was the final count 21 or 22 new players? Like, yeah, it was It was right there, somewhere right there, yeah. Yeah, and these aren't sort of, you know, oh, let's take a few championship players with us to try and keep us in the league. These are top-level European talent. And Steve Cooper now has both the best job in football and the worst job of he's essentially got three teams worth of players that he needs to now fit into one team. Remember who everyone is through this revolving door that is the Nottingham Forest football, uh, like training ground and, and get this team to work. There's, there's enough options that it should do, but it, it's going to be a tough job, but I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them for the rest of the season. Well, we have to fix fixate for a second on Nottingham Forest because this is a, a stunning transfer window from a newly promoted team. I've never seen this before. Mm. I've never seen this level of of just investment. Obviously, numbers look numbers grow in time, and so it's kind of difficult. But it's it's the amount of players. Um, it's really, I mean, you said twenty one. That's what it is, and it's, I mean, that's two yeah. whole new teams. It's two full lineups mm -hmm. of players and you know i actually think morgan gibbs white is uh, a good signing I, I i think yeah the money's big but also the money in the premier league is huge so that's what it is yeah. i i think that it's it's just interesting though the, the way that uh relegated players just started just popping out of the championship and so you have emmanuel dennis who Look, I, yeah. I I think that's a great signing if he's playing every single game, week in, week out. But if, like you said, how do you fit all these pieces together? How do you get players to get any kind of rhythm or any kind of cohesion? Because I, I just don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a tough spot for the team and for the manager because there are only so many games in the season. And when you're a relic, not a relegation candidate, but you know one of the teams that people would have on 
to potentially go down at the beginning of the season, you, you've only got a certain amount of leeway in how much you can test the waters and how much you can play around with things before, okay, fine, we lost this one. Okay, we lost another one. We lost another one. But we're testing things. It's right now we've got to start winning because we've got 30 games left and we need to pick up points. Forest luckily have picked up points already. Yeah, they've de- they've played some really good games. They've their system that they're playing at the moment seems to be quite identifiable. And I'm guessing that most of the players they bought in have been bought in to work in that system. So they are they have literally got a cup team that they can play in the, the FA Cup and the, the League Cup and they've got their Premier League team. And you know, people from the this cup team Maybe people like Emmanuel Dennis, who at the moment will probably have to battle with the, is it Awiyoni who came in from Union Berlin? Yeah, Awiyoni. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got to play Dennis in the first couple of rounds of the FA Cup, the League Cup, get him settled. And then you can, you know, progress these players up into your Premier League team and have more depth than, you know, some of the big six. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I'm just so torn on the amount of players right because i remember when we first started seeing them spend money it was jesse lingard right everyone was like wow jesse lingard comes for massive fees and then taiwo oni comes in and you're like wow okay they're really going for it musa niakate the guy uh from Mm. mines center defender from mines and Mm -hmm. at this point you were thinking okay this is this is looking like a, a solid little window and then they go and they get Renan Lodi from Atletico Madrid on loan. I mean, th- that to me was definitely one of my surprise signings of of the window. I wrote that one down as a kind of a shock. Yeah, to go from Champions League to, you know, fighting for Premier League survival. Okay, you're on loan. So, you know, if it all does go tits up, you're okay. But there's there's been a few of them this window of you know champions league teams dropping their players out into teams like forest and fulham but it's only going to be a beneficial of the premier league the depth in these small teams and the the quality of the players it, we've never seen this before and it's going no. to make it even more competitive yeah i i completely agree it's it, forest are going to be it's so unpredictable this season. I would say if you have a fantasy Premier League team, you probably want to avoid having really any of them in your lineup. I just recently dropped Jesse Lingard. <laughs> uh, Dean Good Henderson choice. actually is, is probably worth keeping, but everyone else is, you never know who's going to play. So that exactly. they're just a fascinating case. Um, uh, in terms of a transfer strategy it must have been so strange if you're one of the players that came in the early part of the window right you showed up you signed in like <laughs> june or early july and you're like this is the team we got like dude, we got like 12 new guys and then it's like no 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 no, hold on we got 21 now i mean there must be guys who were <laughs> like i'm i'm gonna play wait a minute am i gonna play in just a month and after three games yeah. some of them may have played well and they may barely get time on the field for the rest of the season so look nottingham forest i think that's a great great pick because their window is good now the question is can they Mm. make it make it work so my winners are roma and marseille uh and i i I just i wanted to go outside of england because i felt that that in england it was 
it was kind of limited to Man City. Everyone else I felt had either an okay window or not so good window or one we really don't know. We'll see, right? I think Southampton are a great Mm. example of a we'll see because they signed a lot of good young players. Will it work? Well, it seemed to be working against Chelsea, so who knows, right? Yeah, Um, it wasn't hard. No, no, it wasn't hard, but I, I, I have a lot more faith in them than, um, than I think a lot of people did, and, and especially after the end of their window. But so Roma, they picked up uh, Zeki Celik from Lille, uh, kit that I'm actually wearing mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, so he's he's a good player. <clears throat> brought in for I think what was it six million or something like that. Um, yeah, they brought in forty million in fees, which is great. They got Andrea Belotti for free. Gini Vijnaldum on loan, Paolo Dybala for free, and Nemanja Matic for free. So, and, and, and that's just, you know, there's a few other small ones in there. But that is, that's a good window. And with what they already have, they didn't lose anybody. Like there was talk of Tammy Abraham maybe coming back to England. And I, I have to say, I'm I'm impressed. So, yeah, that's that's Roma. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they can get Belotti and Dybala shows the project that they've got going on now. I mean, those are two players going on free transfers, like you say, that could have moved to elite-level European teams. But the the pulling power that Roma have now, now, that, now they've got that Conference League win, you know, they've got their trophy, they've got the manager who, you know, I've, I'm always a fan of Mourinho. I don't care what anyone says. I Same. love his style. Um, he he's building something really good there, and in a very un-Mourinho-like way, he's doing it on a budget, which will please the board. The results will please the fans. They've got a good mix of the the experience coming in. You've got your talismans in people like Tammy Abraham. I mean, I I really rate them, and I I would love them to go and upset Syria and win and win the league. Oh, that would be brilliant if 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 Mourinho won Syria with Roma. That would be absolutely terrific. Yeah. I'd love to see Tammy lifting the trophy. That'd be good. Um, Absolutely. So Marseille, what I thought was interesting about them is they only really lost uh, one player of of any Mm. note. And that was Duje Duje, uh, Chaletasar, the guy from uh, the Croatian. He came from Marseille to Saints, to Southampton for 8.6 million, right? They brought in mm. Paulo Lopez, goalkeeper from uh, Roma. They also brought in Jordan Veretout. This is a French guy who played at Roma. I really, really like him. I think he's he's very good. They brought in Eric Bailly on loan from Man United. Luis Suarez from Granada, not the the, the Spanish, not, <laughs> not, not the uh, Uruguayan. Cengiz Under, uh-huh. Nuno Tavares came from Arsenal. Jonathan Klaus, who uh, was at Strasbourg and did really, really well there at sort of a right wing back position and actually got a France call up last year, kind of came out of nowhere. And then they also brought in Alexis Sanchez. And they've got Igor Tudor as their coach. So a lot of people were really kind of concerned because he's this sort of militant, stylistic guy. People were thinking, oh, no, it's not going to work. He's not going to like Payet, whatever. But they're currently sitting joint top with PSG in, in, in France. And I'm not saying they'll challenge for the title, but this is a team that's actually equipped to, to do something in the champions league. So mm-hmm. I, I thought as a sort of, sort of side sleeper pick, I had those. 
I'm going to be very boring with my two losers, and maybe you have the exact same ones. It's Leicester and Bournemouth. It's Leicester and Bournemouth. Exactly the same. You you just can't create an argument for either of them having a good window, a good start to the season. It's just anything. It's it's a shit show at both of the clubs. I feel for Scott Parker, who just brutally honest, to, from from my mm. opinion, um, to be sacked essentially for saying I don't have faith in the team, when all you've signed is Joe Rothwell for free from Blackburn Rovers, Ryan Fredericks for free from West Ham, Marcus Tavernier from Middlesbrough for ten million, Neto the goalkeeper from Barcelona for free, Marcos Sinesi from Feyenoord for twelve point six million, and Jack Stevens on loan from Southampton. What a deadline day smash that is. <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny is Bournemouth. I look at uh, I'm looking at the uh, football 365's completed transfer list. Mm-hmm. In the outs, it says Gary Cahill was released. So, yeah, so he was there last season, but I thought he'd already gone. So that that's a blast from the past this is a guy who won the champions league with chelsea the first time around and bournemouth just released him and they replaced him with jack stevens from on loan that is a sad window for a premier league team you know i yeah i I don't understand what you've done with the money uh and then lester they brought in alex smithies a goalkeeper from cardiff and on deadline day they brought in woot face uh from stade Reims in France for 15 million pounds and they lost Wesley Fofana. Now they did a good job by holding on to certain players, but again, that's a shocking window for a premier league side trying to not go backwards. And they look terrible right now. They look awful. I mean, they're, they're rock bottom for Bournemouth. I mean, I I feel for Parker as well. You're trying to build a, a team that can survive relegation on 20 million pounds worth of transfers. Now, you know, no one can do that. Ancelotti could walk in. He wouldn't be able to do that. You, And you asked the right question. Where has the money gone? You know, the promotion from the championship to the Premier League is the biggest money windfall in, in sport. So, you know, you're not upgrading the stadium. There's no, you know, new tr- training ground being built or anything like that. I don't think they're in that much debt. So where is this two to three hundred million pounds? I, I, I don't know. I think there's a dodgy accountant somewhere with a shoebox and he's just <laughs> packing it all in there. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, after this, they're absolutely going to be rock bottom. Leicester, I, I did like Rogers' honesty as well after the Man United game, that he just isn't getting backed. And it's again, it's weird because we know they've got money. It, it's not a case of they haven't. They've had one of the best scouting networks in Europe over the past five or six years. Um, and I just don't know what success looks like for Leicester this season, because if we'd looked at it three or four years ago, they were challenging for Champions League, they were challenging for Europa League, but if you're a Leicester fan now, what would you be happy with? You know, you've won an FA Cup in the last three years, but now you can't bring anyone in to save your life. You've got a manager who doesn't have faith from the board, or maybe it's both ways around, we don't know, but... I mean, if I ask you, what would a successful season look like for Leicester this season? Surviving relegation? Yeah, top 10 finish would be a success. Surviving relegation is 
you have to admit, like I've said this before, outside of the top six for every team, surviving relegation is an accomplishment. Mm. It, 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 because it, it's not that you start the season uh, in relegation trouble and you may spend most of the season completely outside of it. But you know, I mean, it's it's one bad manager. It's a, a rash of injuries. It's, you know, some situation that happens in the press maybe that – Something like that can can just derail a season, and for a lot of clubs, it's it can be just it, it can just kind of happen out of nowhere. I've just seen the too good to go down thing a few a few times now, where a team just doesn't seem like they should, and they do. Um, mm. so and Leicester in that category, they do have really good players still at the club. I just think this is kind of uh, one of those end of cycle things. I think Brendan Rodgers has done an excellent job with this team. But when you have a coach that's going into a season looking burnt out, looking like, you know, he's just just sucking every last drop of inspiration out of himself even for the job. If I were them, I would I would replace him. And and not, un, you know, unceremoniously, not, you know, like, by Brendan, thanks, but but now we don't care. I mean, he's been terrific for them. They won an FA Cup with him. They've been challenging for the top four every season with him. Mm-hmm. But that staleness, and you can sense it, right? And once that settles yeah. in, clubs tend to struggle a lot. And so a new manager, I think, has the players to be able to do something with it. They need to be looking very hard right now. Even if he turns the ship around just a little bit, I still think he's he's reached an end of a cycle with these young players, and it, it, it's probably time. Just nothing against Brendan Rodgers. It's just if Leicester want to save themselves, this is a preemptive move that might do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about staleness, which I think is the best way to describe it because you know we saw when they were playing United. This isn't a vintage United team. I think going into the game, maybe some of the fans would have thought we could nick something here. But they were so toothless and they were so uninspired that that emanates out to the fans watching. And once it sits in with them that we're going nowhere, why do we keep turning up? You know, you don't want that energy around the team and around the manager. And, you know, that freshness needs needs to come back. And it, it starts with, with a new coach, with a new idea and new identity. Yeah. Well, we'll see if... if uh... Leicester suffer from this window I I think Bournemouth will I think after this Bournemouth have to be odds on favors to go down all right let's go on to uh, a slightly more positive upbeat one the top three (laughs) signings I'm gonna I'm gonna put my three out there because they're sort of just big names and I I guess kind of boring Holland you know it's it's obvious Lewandowski because I think that that makes Barcelona just an absolute goal-scoring nightmare and then Raheem yep. Sterling, because it was a pretty big coup for Chelsea to bring in a player like him. Um, rarely do players like that go across uh, the Premier League if, if they're still good, right? Normally, they're sort of spent product at their clubs, and Raheem Sterling wasn't that. But he just wasn't getting the game time he wanted. And for Chelsea to sign him for something like $45 million, mm-hmm. and as we said, that's half of Anthony, okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a multi-Premier League winner, and it's half of Anthony. So I will say that that's also a testament to getting your business done early. 
So, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a little later, but the uh, getting your business done early means you save like half millions, save double, <laughs> double what you would have. So go ahead. Tell me your three. I mean, Haaland, obviously number one, enough said. Um, Fabio Cavallio for Liverpool. Okay, we've only seen him, seen him over five games. Two goals for a very young midfielder. One of them slightly more important than the ninth against Bournemouth. <laughs> um, but he seems to be filling a void that Liverpool have in that midfield at the moment. He's bringing a lot of energy. He's bringing a lot of creativity that Thiago usually would. But obviously, he's got his injury problems. Um, and he seems like a really good little player that they can build a midfield around. Um, another one... Young player Alexander Isaac shone in the same game against Liverpool. Had his his first goal in his debut. Should have had the second, slightly offside, but looks already at twenty two a complete centre forward. Um, he's he reminds me a lot of Tammy Abraham, sort of in his in his in his yep. structure almost. But the way he plays, he can play. You know, he can hold the ball up. He can run. He can dribble. He's got a wicked finish on him. And for 60 million, a great investment for Newcastle. Like he was being touted for top, top clubs a few years ago, like the Barca's, the Madrid's, the Chelsea's. And he's ended up at, you know, Saudi Georgie, Geordie, sorry. And they're only going to benefit from it. Yeah, I uh, I had him down as one of my surprises. I think the biggest eyebrow raiser for me was when I read Alexander Isak is going to, to Newcastle. I I really mm. was like, whoa, okay. Because it came out of nowhere. It came out of absolutely nowhere. I didn't, you know, I never, I've been watching Fabrizio Romano's videos and he did not ever mention Alexander Isak to Newcastle. Uh, I think that's a great signing. Great for him to score in his debut. Almost had two. Was just very mm -hmm. tightly offside for the second. And speaking of Newcastle, I read uh, Eddie Howe said that this has been a very difficult window because he feels that, I forget exactly the quote, but he said basically that no one did them any favors, Right. Which I think is really interesting, right? People were probably just saying, "Oh, oh, it's Newcastle." Um, oh, you're interested, you know? If if Kyle Walker Peters, right? Oh, wow, mm. seventy seventy five million. <laughs> Look at Wesley Fofana, you know? And, yeah. and and Newcastle are probably sitting there like every single approach we make, especially from Premier League clubs. Um, Absolutely, they're just like, "No, screw you! You've got Saudi money now. We're we're just gonna say insane numbers and see if you can deal with it." So I think Newcastle are going to very quickly become the team that finds talent from Europe um, and doesn't buy from the Premier League ever again, really, because they're, they're just going to be held to ransom in, in in their own league. Yeah, I mean, you know, welcome to the big leagues. This is what teams do. That I, I get it that you know no one's wanted to do you a favor. No, because everyone's a rival in this league. You know, it, this is what happened when Man City came into money, when Chelsea came into money, when Liverpool came into money, when Man United have been in money. You know, it, it's the cycle of, of football. You're successful. Other teams aren't successful. They want to take advantage of you. Uh, it, it's it's horrible. And it'd be great if everyone could get along and we could agree nice normal transfer fees. But, you know, <laughs> if this, it's uh, it's a, a product of, of what could be your success. Yeah. Well, I think the other really 
key component to the way these these transfers go that I think probably most of the small clubs think they probably go look if you have the money to go and create your own super league or whatever you know you you complain that you don't get enough of the pie when it comes to this or that look you have all the power anyway um mm-hmm. there's a premium when it comes from you period end of story and it's incredible some of the signings i mean you say fabio carvalho was it five million something yeah less than 10 so I, I I would imagine there that's not just like a, you know, I imagine he had very, you know, maybe a year left on his contract or something like that, right? But yeah, mm. really, really interesting the way the, the, the fees ballooned um, to the point where Newcastle, when we were like, well, why aren't they signing anybody? It's probably because they were given such insane numbers all throughout the summer that it was mm. very difficult to find who they wanted. It's good to see they didn't buckle to it, though. I mean, they've bought in a £60 million striker, you know, absolutely necessary in this market of we're probably in an era of the best strikers in a collective season we've ever seen in the Premier League. Yeah. But they could have done a Man City or a Chelsea of old and say, sure, take the money. But they're, they're being smart. They're, they're looking, they're going out into Europe and finding better talent for a better, better deal. And good on them. Fair play to them. No, I really like that one. That's it's a. Uh, I, I can't say that he will be, you know, a, a, a definite success at Newcastle. But in this current climate, sixty million for an international. Keep that in mind. And I know he didn't score. He doesn't have the greatest goal scoring record, but I don't think that's necessarily what he needs to have in his locker at this point in his career yet. I think that can come. I think he's developed mm. a lot of other parts of his game, and. You know, from Real Sociedad, this is this is no slouch of a team. They 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 play really good football. You know, they they've been playing in Europe, so I, I think I agree with you. Totally great signing. Um, all right, let's go to our uh, maybe yeah, the strangest signing. No, no, sorry, no, we we just did that hipster pick. That's right. What's your what's the one that you just sort of like the most in in for for your own little reasons? I mean. It's well known. I've been on this podcast before and it should be known if you've listened that I am a Chelsea fan and seeing William come back to the Premier League, bringing that hair back and that smile. I'm I'm all here for it. Even if it's a, for a West London you know, rival in air quotes um, in Fulham, the friendliest rivalry ever. It's just good to see that guy back after the the service he gave to Chelsea. And then to see him really suffer at Arsenal and he had a terrible time back in Brazil with Corinthians. Yeah. Um, I think he finally left because there was lots of like death threats to his family and stuff. You know, they don't mess around down there. Yeah. Um, but to see him, I you know, I know he's 33. I know he won't be pulling out all the amazing runs and dribbles, but it makes Fulham a, a decent little set piece team. And it's just it's just good to have a player like that back. I agree. He's yeah, as Chelsea fans, you you can't not love William, and um, I, I he's he is such a stylistic player, unique in his own way, and and it, it's just going to be good to have him back in the league. I completely agree. Mm. So I went out into Europe for this one because there was a player who, and his name is Philip Kostic. I'll just go ahead and say it out there that he went from Eintracht Frankfurt Frankfurt to Juventus. Now, a few years back, Chelsea fans may remember. 
when we won the Europa League under Maurizio Sarri, I think it was the semifinal we had to play again, or the quarter quarterfinal and semifinal. I don't remember which one. Uh, I think it was semifinal. Yeah, we played against Eintracht Frankfurt. Now, this team had Luka Jovic, who then went to Real Madrid and is now at Fiorentina. They had Sebastian Aller, who went to West Ham, had to revive his career at Ajax, went to Dortmund, and unfortunately, sadly, is having to take some time out because of testicular cancer. So obviously we wish him well there, but that Eintracht Frankfurt team was really good. And coming, flying down the left wing, sending in t- insane crosses, celebrating goals that Luka Jovic was scoring before the ball went in the net was <laughs> Philip Kostic. And he, and he was the guy who assisted their winner in the final of the of the Europa League this season, mm-hmm. um, right, so okay. and and apparently every season his agent has sort of gone around trying to get someone to sign him, and every season people are like, because mm. he's kind of like Marcus Alonso, he's like a bona fide left <laughs> wing back that gets up and scores goals, but defensively you're just not sure you can trust him, right? And yeah. uh, I just think the fact that he's you know, he's seen guys at his club who have gone on and gotten big moves to other places. And he's always just kind of been the guy that's there and delivering every season. He still delivers. And he just never was able to get his move until now. Juventus came in and said, jump aboard. <laughs> We've got a, a quite a good striker that you can provide crosses for. By all means, come to Turin. <laughs> so I I just love that about Philip Costa. Just, just. It just seemed like there's certain players that you kind of go, how are they still at that club? How has no one just come in and taken the, you know, taken a chance on him or, you know? Yeah, because he's, he's sort of 28, 29 now, isn't he? As well, so this yeah. is this is sort of the the hail mary. It's if he didn't get it this season at 30 years old, it's not going to get much better for you, or it's very hard to get a move move like this. Good luck to him. I mean, we have seen people. Um, you know, from that Frankfurt team, have a real tough time leaving that team. But he's a good little player, and you're in a you're in a league that's competitive enough. If you've got a bit of pace on you, knock your socks off, enjoy it. Is there anyone else that you can think of that you're kind of like, I am so surprised they didn't move? And I, I will caveat this with, I am very surprised Memphis Depay stayed at Barcelona. But as we said uh, before recording, Aubameyang leaving was kind of the thing that kept him there. Yeah, I think over, maybe not this season, but just the course of his career, Marco Royce, mm. in the, you know, very much like Kostic, he has been at Dortmund forever. He has won as much as he can. And he has, he's been the constant with everyone around him. You know, Aubameyang, Lewandowski, Gotze, um, Haaland, Sancho, Bellingham, probably in a season or two. He's seen so Pulisic, yeah, so much rotation at that team, but he's always there. And it, it it's a nice story that he is always there. He is Mr. Dortmund. But it would have been really good to see him, not at Bayern, but at like a really big European team. Um, that That's just always something that would have been great to see for me. Yeah, I, I was... Uh... I was impressed and uh, and a little surprised to see that Nabil Fikir didn't get scooped up this summer because he at Betis in the last two seasons has been excellent and uh, they mm. won the Copa del Rey and it was like this, you know, yeah, you know, pretty amazing thing. And he 
he's a World Cup winner. He was in the France team that won the World Cup. She came out of the that final failed, failed medical at Liverpool, wasn't it? That, yep. And then he had that sort of downward trajectory and just built himself back up. Well, he yeah, so he, he had the failed medical at Liverpool, stayed at, at Lyon for the season, and then Betis just came in. And, I mean, it was a surprise, right, for a guy who was mm. about to go to Liverpool, with strange failed medical, and then he goes to Betis, and he's, he's been lighting it up. So I, I, I was a little surprised he didn't go anywhere. I wanted to throw a couple other surprise transfers and if you have any others that you want to throw in uh in the hat please mm. uh lucas ocampos who i every time i've watched sevilla i've been like this is the guy that if he if, if he's like the heartbeat of the team when he is has his chest puff, puffed out and he's getting in the box and he's doing things they they look a good great side and he goes to mm. ajax on loan really strange yeah, I mean, you can see why Ajax have got him after the departures they've had. But my co-host Seb is a big Ocampos fan. He was telling me, he's been telling me for ages, like, this guy is the one to watch. And I have yet to see anything about him. But if I'm now getting two Sebs telling me he's the one, I mean, I'm going to have to have to give him a watch. I think it was in, in that Sevilla team, he was he was just so impressive in the way he... I think his physicality, um, his personality, he's just a he's just a beast. And he's and I, I don't know if he would be something like one, a player that you would assume the top, top clubs would come in for. I, I've always wondered, oh, well, Chelsea could use a guy similar to that. That profile's good. But what I'm surprised about is because of the importance that he's had at Sevilla, why they would mm. loan him out to Ajax. This to me says all is not well at Sevilla with Julian Lopetegui. I think right now things are, this to me looks like a transfer of getting someone out the door who is problematic. That's, that's what I think. And that's not good. If you're Sevilla, if one of your best players, you're having to loan out on the final day of the transfer window. Yeah. Uh, Is there like an option to buy or? I think there is. And they're covering most of his wages as well. So uh, it looks like that's actually probably going to, going to happen uh, or mm. like become a permanent thing if Lopetegui stays in charge if he leaves well Ocampos might come back to Sevilla from the loan and be like yeah uh, the other the other really bizarre transfer and I know this probably didn't make many headlines in the UK mm. but it was big news here okay Ricky Pooch Went from Barcelona I, to the LA Galaxy. And yes, the, it, Los Angeles brought in Georgia Kalini, LAFC brought in Kalini and Bale this summer. So th- there was, and Insigne went to Toronto. So there was already some big stuff that happened. But Ricky Pooch, that was, yeah, interesting. Out, out of the blue. At how old is he? 22, 23? Yeah, he's young. Yeah. And this was a season or two ago. This was the new Xavi, the new Iniesta, this was the guy you built the team around. You had him, you had Anzu Fati, um, you had... Uh, but he popped up the... right before Pedri. He popped up right before Gavi. He actually, his first season was the COVID season. When they came back from mm. lockdown, that was the first time we saw Ricky Pooch. And I remember all of the senior players, because you could hear everything the players were saying during that time, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so you could hear them being like, Bien, Ricky, bien, bien, bien. Like, just like really <laughs> encouraging him. And he looked great. 
turns out apparently yeah. they always knew that he had certain deficiencies in his game. Apparently, um, in Barcelona, they always knew, yes, good player, never really going to make the grade at the at, here for the long term. And right. you can see how when they were bloated at the seams trying to register players, uh, they were willing to let him go absolutely anywhere. And I think it's mm. impressive that it, it is impressive that the Galaxy were able to do this this deal. That it, it was a pretty landmark moment. I think there were a lot of people here, of course, because the sensationalism in our country. I don't know if it's probably the same <laughs> everywhere. There were, of course, people saying this is the biggest transfer in MLS history. This is the most significant. I say stop there. I think I think Insigne is a pretty big deal considering the money he's on, uh, and then Bale's yeah. quite a coup. But but yeah, that one impressive. that one blew me away. I was really really shocked about that one. Yeah, no, it's it is a coup for the league. I mean, it is the MLS is now. I mean, I'm no expert. I watch the odd game when I stay up late enough, but. It, the transition is slowly getting there now that it's not the retirement home for your Beckhams, your um, Ibras, your you know people like this, your Higuains. You just forget that guy is around still. Um, he just scored last week. Did it? Has he still got he the big beard? Uh, no, it's not big anymore, I don't think. I, I, uh, I saw the shame. highlight. I forget. Yeah, but it's nice to see that this transition is happening. Maybe it's happened out of necessity for Barcelona more than, you know, it. This is a landmark for us getting young European talent. But it, it's good. I. It's good to see that the the league is catching up with Europe, and it's only going to benefit everyone. You know, we're seeing. Um, is it Aronson at Leeds, who originally came from from the states, went to Salzburg, came to He's the Premier League? He's a proper player, though. He's, He's doing really well. His little brother really is well really, and really good too. Who does he play for? He's at Philadelphia still, but he's he's, okay. he's the same. They're so similar. It must have been hilarious watching those kids grow up. <laughs> they, they look the same and they play the same. So when they were like 12 and 14 or something, it must have been pretty funny. But yeah, Brendan Aronson's <laughs> a proper player. He's, mm. he's um, yeah, we. I, I think the other thing that is interesting about the MLS in terms of the, the growth of it, the, the the league wants to get away from the old, you know, retirement kind of signings. But the funny thing is mm. when it's a guy like Gareth Bale or Giorgio Collini, they just can't help themselves with certain players, right? And there are a lot of those players who I, I think you won't see just a bunch of 35-year-olds mid-level guys that mm. no one really they have to have some massive marketability i think at this point if they're going to come but absolutely but there's still everyone is all everyone here always goes uh, how old are they are they going to want to play or are they going to be pirlo are they going to be <laughs> lampard and gerard because yeah <laughs> that was not good right but then you no, had was a bad phase. lit up the league for like three years robbie Keane, when he came here he was outstanding like so yeah you want you want those players that that want to be hungry I mean, Zlatan was great as well. So Zlatan's I, I just think, always great. Yeah, he's always great. I, I just think Ricky Pooch, very, very um, impressive signing that I mean, took everyone by surprise. So yeah, absolutely. So what's a what's a prediction that you've got here that or two things that maybe before deadline day you had a completely different opinion about, or like maybe now you're like, okay, this is what's going to happen now that we know. On the SGFC, we did an episode pre the season starting 
and we gave our predictions for the bottom three. I think me and my co-host Seb, we picked the exact same three. I think there's a slightly different order, but, and this is not coming off the back of the Williams signing, not, not far from it, but it's, it, it's not just because of that, but I think Fulham will stay up. I think the players they've got in the under the, the under the radar signs they've done on top of the people like William, you know, you're bringing in Shane Duffy from Brighton, a solid center back with lots of experience at Kurzawa from PSG. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It happened in like the space of three hours. And again, an elite level player with good defensive output, which is what this Fulham team is crying out for. It's, it's going to bolster a, a very good, if not elite level sort of young group of players. And then you've got Mitrovic, who I said again before the season, this guy doesn't score in the Premier League. Well, he's got five and five now, and maybe he's listening to the SGFC. And he's saying, well, Greg, you know, shove off, all right? I'll, I'll prove him wrong. And good on you, mate, if you're listening. Appreciate it. But good on him. You know, this team is is gelling now, and Marcus Silva has got uh, an identity for them. If they can just use these signings just to tighten up at the back with Bernd Leno in goal as well, we haven't mentioned him, it's it's looking really good for Fulham. And I think with the player, with the teams like Villa doing so badly, this is their time yeah. to gather up as many points as possible before the winter transfer window starts and, you know, fill your pockets. Well, I, I really like that, actually. I think that's looking at Fulham. Issa Diop came in from West Ham for $15 million. Obviously, Lavin Kurzawa from PSG on a loan. William for free. Carlos Vinicius comes back. $4.25 million from Benfica. Dan James, it's a good loan. I, for, I forgot about Dan James as well. Yeah. Andres Pereira. He was one of the earliest signings mm-hmm. of the summer from Man United. Joao Palinha yep. from Sporting. Uh, they got a guy called Manor Salomon. I don't know anything about him, but he uh, he was at Shakhtar Donetsk, and so he was okay. able to walk out on his contract. Bern Leno, obviously, from sure. Arsenal. And then sort of the one of the more interesting ones for me here is Kevin Mbabu from Wolfsburg. So he's uh, Swiss, and he's their right mm-hmm. wing back. He's a Swiss or, or right back. He's actually the guy who assisted the equalizing goal in the 3-3 draw they had against France. Um, it's so good pedigree then. Yeah, <laughs> good. Hey, if if he can serve balls like that into Mitro, they're going to score. Now, I've always had a problem with the criticism of Mitrovic because everyone's like, "Well, he scores loads of goals in the championship, but he can't score in the Premier League." Well, Fulham score loads of goals in the championship, but they can't score in the Premier League. It was it's kind of a well, what team are you on? I've always felt because when he's with Serbia and they're in any way on top of another team. The guy mm. looks, the guy gets chances and he scores goals. But Fulham in the last few seasons, they've taken the exact same style that they had in the championship and brought it straight into the Premier League without any change, really. It seems like they yeah. they brought in a lot of players to try and plug holes. But it, I think I think Marco Silva has done an, an outstanding job with um, so far. Get, they look solid in every game. I agree with you 100%. I think they'll stay up... Uh, with relative ease, actually, because a lot of the players who are in the squad have been in the league and went down, similar to Burnley. Remember, they, they came up, yeah. went down, the squad stayed the same, they came up, and then until last season, 
they were in the Premier League for what years, eight years, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I don't think it'll be clear cut. I think it'll go down to the last few weeks. Um, and it, I mean, it's still a long. We've got what thirty three games left to go. Yeah. I mean, on. let's. As much as I want to say Fulham will stay up, it's a long season. <laughs> Anything could happen. What you know, Mitrovic is injured for five weeks. What do you do? Um, obviously, hopefully he doesn't, but. Yeah, I, I just think they'll do it. I think someone else will replace them. Maybe Leicester, maybe Villa, maybe Chelsea if they keep playing like they did against Southampton. Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, maybe the main man of Bamiang will, will bail us out a few times. Yeah, we'll see. I'm still, that, that's, that is one of the stranger transfers. It's just that it was going on for so long that it, it lost its, it lost its strangeness by the time it had actually gone through. Anthony yeah. Gordon would have been the weirdest one from a Chelsea perspective to me. God, been, I'm so glad it didn't happen. That would have been something else. Um, so my prediction is, and I, I wanted to be a little bit of a contrarian on this one because a lot of people have been very down on Southampton, and I understand why. They are a team that has about two really good months in a season. They toil a little bit, and then they go through relegation form. This is what yeah. Ralph Hassenhudel has Ben, I've spoken about how I, I am massively impressed that he has been beaten 9-0 twice in this job and has actually turned the team around every time. I mean, it's it, it's yeah. impressive. It, it is impressive. So I, I give Ralph his flowers. But they brought in <laughs> Romeo Lavia, uh, an academy grad from Man City for $10 million. They brought in Armel Belakochup. So for anyone who's a Chelsea fan, you just watched him pocket Raheem Sterling multiple times. He came for eight point six yep. million from Bochum. Uh, Gavin Bazunu, I knew nothing about him. He came from Man City as well, young goalkeeper. Mateus Liss comes for free from Altai SK. Joe Aribo from Rangers for six million. This is a guy who scored in the Europa League final. Sekumara mm-hmm. from Bordeaux, and then Ainsley Maitland-Niles comes in on loan from Arsenal. Samuel Adozi, a- another um, academy graduate from Man City, comes in. Juan Larios, another city player, young player, comes in. And then they finish with Dia Chaletasar from Marseille. They loan out Yen Bednarek, Jack Stevens, Oriol Romeo goes, Nathan Tella, Shane Long, Fraser Forster, Dan and Lundalu. I mean, they they didn't lose much of anything. And they replaced him with players that no one really knows about. They brought him from mm. practically nothing. And if they have a season where some of these players impress, right? They brought in Armando Broya on loan. They brought in Tino Livermento on for four million. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, wow, these players, you know, the, the fees that were all of a sudden touted for them. Southampton may just have had a window where if they have a good season, they're going to be able to make some serious profits next summer. So I think Southampton will have a top 10 finish. And uh, and and we'll and we'll sort of next summer will be the next uh, window of like Lalana and uh, Ricky Lambert and sort of <laughs> when all those guys like went to Liverpool and all over the league. You know, it's going to be that. That's that's my prediction for for the season that, in the Premier League. That is the biggest shout I've heard from the Premier League this season that Southampton will get a top ten finish. Are you saying though that well, what we're saying though is. Southampton need to get beaten 9-0 this weekend to kickstart everything for the rest of the season, basically. Who are they no, playing this weekend? That'll happen on a really rainy night in like late November. <laughs> yeah. in, in, not in late November because the World Cup's going to be going on. Um, that'll happen on a really rainy night 
probably probably just before the World Cup. And then sure, yeah. Southampton we sit and they're going, do we keep him? Well, he's got <laughs> he's, he's done it twice before. This is the moment, guys. This is where so, he comes to life. Uh, so here's another. So we, one of the things that I, I think is going to be really fascinating, and I know that one window just shut. So to talk about the January windows seems silly, but I actually think the amount of loans we saw. Hmm. Um, I wonder how many are going to be canceled players returning from, from a loan. Uh, a lot of loans maybe were with the world cup in mind. Uh, so how many, once the world cup is over, they just go, what's the point? Like, I'm not getting, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause done deals are done deals. But I also think it, 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 there's no way Barcelona keep the squad that they currently have. Right. They're, they're going to have to sell some more players over time. Yeah. And and so what what does that look like? Uh, Ch- Chelsea, what on earth is going to happen in the next four months? Is If, if things aren't going well, does Bully turn on Tuchel? Or do they just start going, ah, let's just replace more players? Um, you know, same with Man United. It's it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how what the ripples of this window have on what we will definitely be talking about up until January, essentially. Mm. Yeah, it, the the loan system, I've always been a massive fan of the loan system for both young players going down the leagues and getting experience, getting game time, you know, perfecting their craft and players going to, to different leagues, you know, going into Europe. You know, we saw Deli Ali go to Turkey and... So far, it's you know he's, I think he's pulled out one good pass, which pretty good for him. Um, I, I, I enjoy seeing it. I like seeing players move around. I like seeing players get a taste of football that they're not getting because you know at, at the end of the day, and what I think a lot of us forget is that each one of these guys, be them you know twenty one graduates or 35, 40 year olds Latans, they're elite athletes. You know they've trained since the age of five or six. To, to do this on a day-to-day basis and they're not they're not getting the chance in in most cases so I, you know it's great to see it's it's hard to keep up with you know it's hard to keep on top of who's on loan where for how long um but it's great the next window because we've got this world cup as well in november i i kind of i have this like foreseen that there's big there's going to be an under underdog country that's going to get into the quarterfinals on the back of one or two players and they are going for triple digits like spur of the moment they come back on the plane home they put their feet up and oh, hello oh hey man united how you doing you, you you want to give us how much that's how it's going to go honestly the next transfer window yeah it's like who's the next thomas rodriguez who's the one that does that and <laughs> who's the one that has the goal in qatar and then like you know and uh, I mean, I've been saying this, that the January transfer window is liable to be quite a splash because of the residue of the World Cup. Whether it's mm-hmm. players, you know, making a name for themselves or or players sort of deciding to, you know, or, or, I don't know, struggling or whatever it is, but definitely players making a name for themselves. There's no way that everyone's going to go, oh, we'll just wait until the summer t- to lock that deal down. Um, I, yeah, I... I which then may, I think you say triple digits, that that may be what drives the fees up as well. The fact that it's January and teams may not want to sell mm-hmm. a star player. 
So yeah, that's that's a good shout. We're, we 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 may see that you know someone who we don't really know. Speaking of people we don't know, I saw two names that really, and I saw a lot of good names, but there were two names that I'd never read before that I just liked from going through the transfers. Okay. I, I I I don't really love the Guardian as a news source in a lot of ways, but uh, I will say their transfer interactive is quite good for the big five leagues, and so I was going through. Uh, second place is Wesley Gasolina. Went from Juventus to Cruzeiro. Yeah, young Brazilian guy. Wesley Gasolina. I just thought that was great. But there was one name that really just wins. And Swansea have gone and made themselves just that extra little bit tougher by signing Armstrong Oko Flex from West Ham United. Armstrong <laughs> Oko Flex. I mean, what? That's amazing. Sure, surely his parents didn't name him that. Surely he's he hit the gym at like fifteen and legally changed his name or something. Armstrong Oko Flex. Well, so Oko Flex is hyphenated. So you know he's a lot okay. of cheek. You know he's you know because there's a lot of right, uh, right. so families where the the. The parents just said, "Well, you're, he's getting both names hyphenated, yeah, so yeah. you know it's probably Oko, and then someone's Flex. I mean, <laughs> Flex as a last name is already something, but then you go That's brilliant, yeah, Armstrong. Armstrong you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot to live up to now. You can't have that kind of name and and flop. You know, you've got to be you've got to be on top of your game. Well, uh, I, I for all." For all listeners, I am going to continue to track this guy's career. And uh, if we see him in an England shirt, I maybe need to put 10 pounds on Armstrong Okoflex getting in an England shirt one day and see Good if shout. that turns into Good a you know, big money. But that, so that it's just sometimes you see these names and you're like, that's incredible. What a name. Yeah. <laughs> and it's during the transfer season where you really, especially deadline day, where you start seeing everything under the sun. Absolutely. So, so let's let's wrap this up with our own. We'll recircle our own grades we gave Todd Bowley just a couple weeks ago. So Ooh. you said B plus, I said A minus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ended up going down to a B. I ended up that that's where I've settled post transfer window. I give Todd Bowley a B because it's not easy to be a sporting director in the world of football having never done it before. He did make some yep. good signings. I like some of the approach for the young players, but some of the panic station decisions we were seeing were alarming from a mm. Chelsea perspective where you're like, what kind of club are we going to be over the next five years if this is the way this window went? Is this going to be par for the course? So that's why I dropped my grade, but... I'm excited for the squad. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I said B plus. I'd go down to a B as well. I know that is on the back of some really good signings. You know, Wesley Fofana, Aubameyang could change the season that Chelsea having could give Tuchel what he's been asking for. But you're right; it sets a dangerous precedence. You know, Newcastle have gone the opposite way of yeah, we are cash rich, like, but we're not just going to spend it willy nilly. We're, we're, we're a business, we're looking at our bottom lines, and we want to make sure everything works for us. Now, 
yeah, Todd Bowley, he's he's come in, he's he's learning the ropes. He's also trying to set a statement for Chelsea and for the fans and understand that where the club was and what he's done in such a short time is still fantastic work. But it, it is dangerous. And it is with with fees just getting inflated every year and your pockets are only so deep, you know. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year in terms of outgoings more than incomings because it's now a, there's a, a bigger squad there and I'm sure going forward investment is going to be on the back of making money and you know these sort of players we've spent a lot of money on them there's no money in in Koulibaly you know you've spent 30 40 million on him there's no resale there's no resale on a Kukurea even yeah I know he's young and but 60 million how much more does that price go up well He's from Barcelona. If they ever feel like, <laughs> if they feel like Jordi Alba needs needs to be replaced with this specific player, yeah, that you could you could get a better return from him in a couple of years, possibly. But I actually think he's a, an outstanding signing. I thought he was. I think he's he's been excellent so far, in my opinion. He's he's been good. I I, I was worried about the fee. Being a Barcelona like graduate or whatever, sure. If they've got another lever to pull, if that if they have any more levers hiding behind mystery door number five, like by all means they can pull them. But yeah, I, I I'm just a bit cautious, you know. I'm just I want to see Fafana fit in. I want to see how Bamyang fits in out of everything. It's it's an odd signing for me. It's that's a desperation signing, like you were saying. I hope it turns out well. And we'll see. And if he scores against Arsenal at the Emirates, please, please yep. do an Adebayor. You oh, yeah. sli- oh, knee slide God. your way across that pitch and you take in every bit of hate. I can't. I want that. That's all I want from a Batman this season. If it's his only goal, that's what I want. Top ten celebrations of all time for anyone who does not know. This is this is Emmanuel Adebayor who left Arsenal to go to Man City in quite acrimonious circumstances. Scores and runs ninety yards across the pitch to do a knee slide in front of not the Man City fans, the Arsenal fans. It was something yeah. else. He was get, getting pelted with things from the crowd. That was that was just amazing. I think it was the funniest part was it. The ferocity with which he ran after he scored the goal—it was like yeah. he was <laughs> yeah. being chased by a lion. Like I'm, just, it was it was really something. Or like he was chasing a lion. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> on the Ch- Chelsea signings, uh, there's a few. I think there's a few notable uh, exits. First of all, I think mm-hmm. Timo Werner, Emerson Palmieri. Those are those are good outs. I think Andreas Christensen needed to breathe, and I don't think he was ever really going to get the credit he deserved at Chelsea for being essentially an academy graduate who forced his way into the first team, you know, and did well. I thought, I think he he felt like, okay, I need to change. That's fine. Mm. Denny Drinkwater, he and Ross Barkley. I am so glad that is over. Um, That was a dark time. Kennedy as well. I mean, never really, you just, you know, one of the guys that was bought and just loaned and loaned and loaned, never really, mm-hmm. never really got a shot. So he's off the vital lid. Marcus Alonso. Okay. Why does he not get the respect he deserves from Chelsea fans? He must have in the last four seasons, if you took the top, you know, 50 Chelsea goals, he's probably got like 10 on his own and, and big goals, you know, Derby goals against Spurs, yeah big goals and and a lovely player to watch with clear mm. deficiencies but it's almost like 
we missed the trick on loving him the way Liverpool love Trent. That is a really good comparison, you know, because I maybe it's just too many old school people looking at you're a defender, defend, and the guy the guy struggled in defence, but that wasn't his forte. His forte was running at the other defence ragged, cutting in cutting inside and scoring bangers, you know, putting free kicks in the top corners. I was always a fan of Alonso, regardless of sitting in Stamford Bridge with my dad, who hated the guy with a passion. Just whenever the team came out, he's like, what? Why? We're just going to get beat on this side, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, but dad, he'll score. You know, he's great fun to watch. And usually he'd run on, like, usually he'd start on the side we were we were sitting at and you just watch him just beating people for fun. And he was, he was a nice little, um, like, nice little battler. Always enjoyed him. Oh, man. Do you remember the goal he scored that was chalked off against Real Madrid in the Champions League sem- uh, this yes. past season? Yeah. You know, brought it yeah. down. It barely hit his hand. And he smashed it with his right foot in the top corner. I, yeah. Alonso is a player who, and maybe it's because he was at uh, Sunderland. It was Paolo Di Canio who brought him to Sunderland. And it was a disaster, yep. obviously, because everything was a disaster at Sunderland in those days. Went to yep. Fiorentina. And then it's Antonio Conte who brought him and and you you saw Alonso and Victor Moses right oh, all of a sudden God. become the best wingbacks you know in Europe because in you can't say in the country because Chelsea at that time were the only team to play with wingbacks again people need to understand mm-hmm. this back three thing in England it was <laughs> no one no one had seen it for like 30 years until Antonio Conte came it, yeah. it, it like died off in the 80s until Conte and now it's it's all the all the rage but in, in addition, a few – so th- those are the, some of the exits. I think, you know, there's kids that went on loan. I'm amazed. Baba Rahman, who was signed in that, like, the de- dying hours of Mourinho's second stint, goes to Reading on loan. It's like, my God, really? Is this still happening? Um, Matt yeah. Miazga went on loan to Cincinnati. So he's, going, he's back, back in the U.S. Hopefully we'll mm-hmm. decide to make his move permanent. I think he's spoken that he wants to. With the incomings, um, I would like to see Carney Chukwameka this season. Uh, I would yep. like to see Amari Hutchinson this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Cassidy, uh, I don't remember if he's actually, if he got loaned back or not. No, I think Cassidy is, I, is actually no, going to be stayed. with the under-23s. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and then Slolina, he stayed in Chicago. But when I look mm-hmm. at the players they bought, Sterling... Kulabali, Kukurea, Fafana, right? These are the and 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 Aubameyang. These are the first team players they've purchased. I don't think yeah. there's much. I think Aubameyang, there's a risk, but I think there's very little risk to the others, and I think they'll make the team better. Now the question is, can this youth policy actually improve? Um, Carney Chukwemeka was outstanding for the England for England in their like under 20 euros this summer and he, I think he won mm. player of the tournament may have even won the golden boot yeah he did so, yeah I mean this is a guy who needs to get minutes or he's gonna turn into the next I, I'm not even gonna mention the list it, it just goes on and on and on so mm. I'm, I was also really happy to see that the window closed before Broya could find a back door so I'm hoping thank God yeah I'm hoping that he sticks around as well um, and that Callum Hudson-Odoi has a very good season in Germany. Yeah, I really hope so. It was, in terms of outgoings, it was a shame to see Billy Gilmore go on a permanent. Um, 
big fan, you know, one of those kids that started shining for Chelsea. He found his 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 niche and he started working for him and then then things didn't go his way. He got injured and Jorginho came in, Kovacic, and you're obviously not going to compete with those sort of players, but it's going to be interesting to see these players bed. Tuchel has a good record so far of bringing that youth through. You know, all still started from Lampard. You know, Mount is still playing every game, even if he's not having the best starts of the season. And yeah, you want to see these kids shine. We don't want to see them join that list, which is miles long. You know, some of the best talent that England's produced in the last 20 years is at every club except Chelsea where they started. Yep. And that's an amazing thing. It's it's mad when you see the, the which players uh went through the Chelsea Academy. It's it's if yeah. you've seen a list, it's 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 quite incredible. Or whether or not they started there or they spent time there, significant mm. time, whether it was two, three years when they were twelve to fourteen. I mean, those are crucial years. So absolutely you know, and and if and a lot of people say Chelsea has the best academy in the country, which is which is great. I mean, you know. I, I, I'm glad Ruben Loftus-Cheek stuck around. Um, yeah, I, I really want to see him get a full season of getting plenty of playing time. You know, really growing into himself. And if and I think if if at the end of this season he's really not found any kind of uh, rhythm in terms of form, despite maybe being healthy all season, I think that's when you can maybe look at okay, we're looking for midfielders that are world class here. And yeah. he may he may get there one day, but at a certain point, maybe you cash in sort of like Callum Hudson-Odoi. I mean, these are players that I adore and would love to just see be Chelsea legends. Yeah. But I think now he's going to be given the opportunity. He really does have to take it. For Ruben Loftus-Cheek, this is the last chance. I mean, yeah, he's had his injury problems in the past, but under Sarri, he started to find his his place. He started to work as that commanding midfielder. And then he gets his loans that he doesn't do too well, goes to a World Cup, does okay in limited minutes. I, it's, it's amazing to see that despite all his problems and ins and outs of the team, that he's still one of the most liked players around Stamford Bridge, that whenever he comes on, whenever, whenever he's involved, the crowd gets behind him because they know the journey he's been on. And we've seen it from day one. We've seen him trying and putting his, everything into it. And if you told me under Sarri or, you know, in the Sarri era that Loftus-Cheek would be playing right wing back at some points in this first part of the season, I, I wouldn't have believed you. But if that's what it's going to take, if that's what how he can find his way in, good on him. Well done. Well, and that's just versatility. I think Tuchel, he has a, a, a little bit of a teacher's pet here in Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, a player who he knows can play in midfield. That's his natural position. But who, remember, he played central center back in two cup games last season. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he had the assist to Timo Werner for the 3-1 win at I don't remember which which it was the one where Werner scored. He took a ball down out of the air and, and finished it. And it was I'm pretty sure it was Ruben Loftus cheek who strode forward and, and delivered him the ball. And he was playing central center back in that game. And then this <laughs> season well, we need to put Reese James in as cover, so you're going to play right wing back. If coaches mm-hmm. are doing that, if they're finding a way to, if if they need a solution, and you are the person that they just plug in in order to make that work, that does say a lot about the trust Tuchel has in him to be like, I know this is not where you belong, but you, you'll do a job here better than a young player that's specialized in this, better than Aspie, 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so yeah, I, I was glad to see him stay. And I really, I think maybe it's his last chance, maybe not, but I, I, I do think this is the year where if he's able to stay fit, he has to step up his game to, to that next level. Mm. So Sterling or Aubameyang to be top goal scorers for Chelsea this season. I mean, I'm surprised at how well Sterling has started. I mean, that's not me saying that Sterling was terrible or that he's not an elite player. We all know he is. He's got more Premier Leagues than most of the other leagues, than most of the teams in the league combined. Yeah, he's He's been doing well. He's adapted his game. You've seen in the first, I think it was two games, he was getting really frustrated with the lack of um, balls being played to him and the lack of running forward. But we've seen, we saw it against Southampton. We've seen the other games. He's finding positions. He's finding if he comes in late to the box, a ball will get to him and he'll score. He's he's taking his chances really, really well. And that's all you want to see. Aubameyang, if we can get 10 goals out of him, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good return. But Sterling, it, it's looking promising. I, I just want to keep this this momentum with him, not the team, but with him going. Well, and I like the gravitas that he's brought. You know, um, he he's happy to take on the all the responsibility that that he needs mm-hmm. to. And I think there's something interesting there because three Man City players have left at a essentially prime of their career. Right, you've got. Jesus and Zinchenko who went to Arsenal and now Sterling who comes to Chelsea and all three walk in like they own the place. Mm. It says something about the confidence of city players. Um, it's ones uh, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it goes to show something because I, I, I mean, Jesus, the impact he has had Zinchenko looks great. He's going to be a left back or a central midfielder if they want. Um, and I think Sterling has done exactly the same. He's he's just stepped up and been like, "Look, I'm getting goals. I'm I'm doing it this season." And yeah. his demeanor and everything. He's he's coming and been a leader from the off. And I I do think he'll score a lot. I actually do think he will end up with more goals than Aubameyang. So that's 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 what I'm. That's my little call here. <laughs> it it is good that he's he is leading from the front. It is putting a bit of um like a magnifying glass on people like Havertz and. Mount, who are going through that rut that we discussed a little bit before recording, that they their legs are sort of stuck in treacle at the moment. Nothing is really paying off, and they're not burying the chances they were burying maybe two seasons ago. But with this figurehead, and you wouldn't think Sterling would be a leader of men, but he's he's you know he's got the reins, he's pulling everyone with him, and hopefully that that energy spreads. It's like, right, okay, let's follow whatever he's going to do and we'll be successful. Like they haven't had that for a long time, but that, you know, Tammy Abraham was learning his craft with everyone else at the same time in that team. They've never had that elite striker that they have absolute faith in to score goals. So since Diego Costa. Yeah. And that was what, 2016, 2017 Mm -hmm. he left. I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's been a long time. You know? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's... So, well, let's uh, let's wrap up this transfer window uh, recap. This has been the silliest of silly seasons, I think. Um, it, when you, I just looked back at the list of transfers from June first to now, and 
so much happened. If you go all the way back, you, you sometimes forget some of these transfers. You, you, you'll be like, wait, did that happen in January? So it, it's always <laughs> interesting to go back, look at your lists. We can't cover everything. We can't talk about everybody. It's impossible. And uh, I'm actually kind of also excited to see, just listening to other podcasts, what people decide to talk about. Because um, it's a, it is a good opportunity to get creative and to find new things and and to be able to put shine on someone like Armstrong Oko Flex. I mean, that's <laughs> if, if if I got anything good out of yesterday, that that was that was maybe it. Yeah. So who, I mean, who? Why even talk about Anthony when you're talking about Oko Flex? Like, yeah. you know, who, who cares? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you can sign Oko Flex for I think it was uh, I don't even remember what it was. It was it was really a low fee. Um, yeah, and if you can get him, I mean, you know, it's it's a lot cheaper than Anthony. I, I, I'm, not sure, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not sure. Just not sure it's the exact same uh, level of. Uh, yeah, this was a loan, so he's a young player. He's a former Celtic winger who can play as a central right, striker. Okay. That's what the Guardian tells me here. So, um, Greg came back. Uh, just you were here two weeks ago, so. Uh, SGFC podcast. Unfortunately, we couldn't get Seb on again, but that we'll, we'll try again. We'll try again. Eventually, yep, we we'll, will. We'll, Absolutely. We'll, we'll get it all. And thank you so much for uh, all of you, all of your insights here and, and your opinions because it, it's there's so many ways to look. And I think mm. uh, I think we've we've covered some really quality things today here. So yeah, say your piece, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a we'll call it a day. Perfect. No, honestly, thank you so much for having me back again. Um, it's always a pleasure. You know, if we were if we want to do this more regularly, I am always up for it. Your your knowledge on European football and you know different areas that I have very little insight into is always great to listen to. Um, so thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me say my spiel. And you know, for anyone who has enjoyed listening to me, head over to SGFC Podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. You know, come find us on there. Say hi. You know, tell me I'm wrong about a few things. I, I enjoy that. I like it. The banter is always good. You, you, you need some. So people, when you're listening to these, these podcasts and stuff, find us and tell us your opinions. If we say something that really irritated you, I think I'd, I'd like to know. Not because I'm trying to laugh about yeah. it, but because I'm curious. We all have opinions. Some things we, fly off. They sound weird. Well, and we, we all we we do these podcasts because we love football. You know, we take time out of our days. It costs us all money to do this, but we don't care because we love talking about football, and we'll do it with anyone. You know, as being an English person, I've got two things to talk about: the weather or the football. That's that's it. So, <laughs> you know. It, it's great that we can all share these opinions and share these ideas. It's fantastic. And that's the best place to leave it. That's perfect. 